This is a story of sorts, the podcast mostly about bookish stuff, and I am your host, Karina Pereira. Hello everyone! On this episode, I chat with Aurora Dominguez about her career as a journalist and as a teacher, about mental health, the current book buying bans, and the importance of reading for youth. Have a listen. Aurora, welcome to Story of Sorts. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Uh, I would like you to introduce yourself to, to the listeners. Who is Aurora? Oh, so Aurora, who is me? <laughs> I, am, uh, I am actually a journalist. I've been a journalist for many years. That's what I went to school for. Um, but I years ago also became an educator. So I teach high school and college. Um, I teach 10th grade English uh, research writing. Um, and when it comes to universities, I teach different courses when it comes to mass communications. Uh, I used to work at newspapers and magazines. You know how things are nowadays for that lovely yeah. job has changed so much. Um, I was, you know, an editor and writer for Wear Magazine, the Miami Herald. And then I decided to transition my career to education. And of course, I cannot give up journalism because I love it. So I still write on the side, which I feel is like the perfect balance. And do you think, what, what how do you see the future of magazines nowadays? So for me, um, remember when we were like younger and we were so excited to get yes. that magazine subscription in the mail. For sure. um, I remember like YM and Seventeen and Bop with all those cute posters. And I even had a chance to be the senior web editor for J14 magazine, which wow. was one of those really cute pop culture magazines. Listen, I adore magazines, but just seeing what's been happening with publications like Entertainment Weekly, for example, that have been seizing publication. Um, I feel like we're going digital, like we've heard for so many years. Um, I do think, I hope, that some magazines still like hang out because I feel like we all have that nostalgia of going yeah. to the airport or going wherever the supermarket and grabbing a publication. Um, but I do feel like the industry itself is evolving. It's going to continue to evolve. And it is certainly not what it used to be when I was an editor and writer. Same with newspapers. Yeah. Um, they're thin now. Like there's not enough content. Um, and I feel like creatives such as journalists and writers have had to find other avenues for their career. They still write, they still do what they need to do. Um, and I'm so proud of my newsroom friends that are still hanging on. Um, but even they tell me it's very different now. So I don't think journalism is ever going to go away, um, ever. I feel like we always need to know what's going on. We need to mm -hmm. have honest content out there. But unfortunately, some of the print products might kind of not be there as much anymore. That's do how you I think. Do you think they're also like losing value because people are people tend to see digital things as yes. kind of free, yeah. so people will not want to play, pay for digital they stuff. Don't. They yeah. never want to pay for the paywalls. No, and they just want to go get free content. Um, and at the same time, there's a staffing shortage. Like there's not yeah. enough budget to hire the type of journalist that you could hire, say, 10 years ago. Um, yeah. So I feel like that's also changing the, uh, the atmosphere of, say, a newsroom. I mean, I remember being in a newsroom, you know, yeah. like, a, like yeah. a downtown newsroom with all the writers, all the editors, and just that energy of sharing creative ideas and just coming up with stories and having all those meetings. That's pretty much not happening now. I know for my colleagues in the Miami Herald, um, they work from home now. Ever since the mm -hmm. pandemic, they don't have a newsroom anymore. 
And that makes me a little sad because I really love that experience, but it's just the way the world is changing. Definitely. Yeah, because even even publications like, for example, recently Bitch Media, Bitch Media. they, they yeah. just closed up and it's, I mean, they've been having trouble for a while, but you would think, well, they will, you know, model through and, and make it. And no matter what, it always makes me like sad. It's like, yeah, wow, for sure. It's so sad. <laughs> Definitely. And it's that thing that as a journalist, you know, with the recession of like 2008 and, you know, um, a lot of us, I've learned to be laid off many times in my career. Wow. And I learned to pick myself up and just keep going and find the job that was right for me. Um, that's why now being an educator, I adore it. That's number one. I love teaching. And number two, I can still write on the side and I don't have that fear where, oh, my job might go away at any point. Yeah. So yeah. It's a normal fear. Exactly. For sure. And um, I would like to, to actually start by asking you about your career as a writer. Was this something you always wanted to do, even growing up? Oh, my God. Yes. So um, I remember I grew up in Puerto Rico, San Juan, Puerto Rico. Um, and I literally spent most of my time uh, writing. Um, I wrote for like the third grade, believe it or not, third grade school paper. Wow. Um, yeah. And it was, you know, poems and lunch list, but I worked for that newspaper. Um, then I became editor of the CBS Impulse in my school, which at the time, you know, you, you had little pages and you, you know, taped them and then you printed them. It was, you know, technological. <laughs> um, but all that, like, all of that taught me how to have like that position, like how to have deadlines. And I always loved writing because I was always a big book reader. So I remember reading Sweet Valley Twins and, you know, Elizabeth loved journalism. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Um, so I just, I just loved writing. My, I come from a creative family. Um, my uncle who passed away a few years ago, he was always encouraging me to write. So I kept writing um, to the point that I became the film critic, like the youngest film critic in San Juan, Puerto Rico. Wow. Um, I was a film critic at the San Juan Star which is not around anymore. It's around, but in a different entity. But that was the newspaper where Hunter S. Thompson worked at with the <laughs> Rum Diary. Um, so that was like the legend. You know, we talked about that. And I became, um, wow, I was what you would call a copy girl. So I would help um, reporters and editors fill in for stories. How old um, were you then? I was like 20, 20, Okay, 25. wow. And I was going, I was pursuing my bachelor's degree at Sagrado Corazón, Sacred Heart University in Puerto Rico. So I just, I was always very driven. I was like, I want a part-time job. Let's go to the newsroom and show up and come with all my clips and let's do it. And I was very lucky that I was able to get a job in a newsroom when I was like 20. And yeah. I just kept going and going. And I wrote for a lot of places in Puerto Rico, like Cassiano Communications. And then I just knew that was something I always wanted to do. So I really focused on it. And when I, the reason I moved to Miami in 2004 is because I got a scholarship to go to Florida International University for bilingual journalism, which oh, is okay. Spanish English journalism. Yeah. And th that led to so many opportunities as a journalist. So I, and at that time, 2004, five, I feel like journalism was thriving. You know, it was still like, it still had that edge of like print with a mix of we're trying to figure out the online world and I just kept going. So that's why I just really love journalism since I was a kid. 
Definitely. So, so that was always your idea because I, I'm asking because a lot of writers want to write specifically fiction. You wanted specifically to be yes, a journalist from I the beginning. I always wanted to be a journalist. Of course, all of us want to write fiction. That's a goal that I've had for myself forever. Mm -hmm. But I always wanted to be that person in the newsroom or like that magazine editor. Like it was just a goal for me. Um, so I was very happy that I was able to reach those goals. And what, what did you cover as a journalist? Oh, the topics, okay. maybe a lot of things, but uh, so like things. in the broad, the broad. I remember uh, when I started, it was a lot of business um, and maybe, you know, like film criticism was one of my first things. So that was more features. Um, I also covered uh, an array of like hard news when I started at the San Juan Star because I feel like they wanted to give me a bit of everything. Mm -hmm. um, and then one of the best things that I covered in San Juan was I interviewed Benicio del Toro the actor wow and he <laughs> he's he's got puerto rican roots like okay. he's, he's got a big puerto rican background and then for castiano communications i covered like a j-lo concert back in the day so cool um, so <laughs> that really made me realize that it made my editors realize that i was really good with features and pop culture so when i went to the lakeland ledger after i graduated in 2005 I became a feature reporter and I was about 23. Um, so my, my job was to cover arts and relationships. So I covered art all over Lakeland, Florida, which is in between Tampa and Orlando. Um, so I was really young and I was like covering concerts, art galleries, um, local music scene, uh, teens, like what are teens doing in the city, in the area. Um, so I really love features, which is what led me to later on the Miami Herald where I was the assistant editor for Miami.com. That was so much fun because we got to cover like the food festivals, the art scene in Miami, the music scene in Miami. So I always loved covering that. Yeah. Um, and I got to interview some cool people like Panic at the Disco back in the day, Fallout Boy, um, you know, My Chemical Romance. Well, so jealous. <laughs> all, of, all of the, and I feel like I liked covering those type of interviews and stories because I like to give them an angle where, yeah, you're a musician. Yeah, you're an actor, but what else is there to you, you know? Yeah. So I always try to find the humane behind, say, like the person that's in the magazines or tabloids all the time. Like I always try to dig into who they are. Why are they who they are? And I feel like that was the interesting part of interviewing these people mm -hmm. that might be in the spotlight, but are really, you know, people that have other goals and other perspectives. So that was fun. For sure. And what was the most important thing that you have learned as a journalist? And it doesn't necessarily have to do with the job, but on the job. On the job. One of the things I've learned that is completely important is you need to have flexibility for sure, because you might be 100% prepared for a story and you're ready to interview, anything can happen. Uh, I, I don't know, they change your time or you have to wait or you get lost while you're going there. So many things happen that you have to be flexible. You need to learn to have good contacts. Um, say you're running late, call them, text them. Always be the type of person that knows they have to do their job and mm -hmm. try your best. But say in a city like Miami, things happen. Um, there's always like people running late and stuff like that. And it's not just the flexibility of time. It's also the flexibility of be flexible with yourself because while you're interviewing somebody, the questions might change and that's okay. Yes. And yeah. it might go a different direction. So I think that's one thing that I learned um, from the career just to be flexible and to be 
very much as as much as I could be organized as to what I'm doing throughout the week as much as I can that way I don't forget and I know yeah. that sounds silly but I am a planner girl yeah we might have a phone fine I like to write things down it just makes me like remember what I have to do yeah for sure and especially like you we also want those conversations to be fluid and to kind of oh my god to kind of like flow exactly. yeah be more conversational not just like sitting there not knowing yeah no for sure And always, I, I mean, it might be old school, but if I'm going to do an interview, I always take little notes, like, you know, the reporter's notebook back yeah. in the day. But yes, uh, I think it's so great now that we have the ability to record and, and that sort of thing, because I remember that was, that was harder back in the day with the little tape decks, that was harder. So um, did you still use like the notebooks instead of a, like a, a recording system? So I do both, but the notebook to me is so crucial. Because I feel like I just write things down, even if it's like crazy handwriting, and then I can go back to the audio and kind of compare and contrast. Yeah, what I, what I got. Because mm -hmm. I was, I'm always amazed when I see like other pictures. Um, yeah, pictures usually are videos of people actually writing down the interviews. Yeah. Like, how can they write that fast and continue to listen? It's really something that you have to train, it's right? So crucial. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. And do do you miss? Puerto Rico like do you go home I often do. or <laughs> I, I go home for example my parents are in town um this week because I won teacher of the year at my high school which wow. is amazing. congratulations yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they're here for like a little event tonight um I actually went to Puerto Rico for Easter weekend um I try to go back as much as I can let it be once or twice a year just because my parents are there my grandparents are there they're in their 80s 90s so I do miss the island Um, which is why I try to go back. And it's like two hours away from South Florida on a flight. It's not not too that far, bad. yeah. <laughs> and I do like to just be there and experience, you know, go back because I was born and raised there till I was about 22. Um, so it's always nice to go back. Uh, but I'm very thankful for my opportunities here. I feel like I grew so much when I moved to South Florida. I'm happy here. This is home now. Uh, but Puerto Rico will always be home as well. Yeah, no, I feel I'm an immigrant as well. I mean, an immigrant, yeah, I immigrated for another country, but uh, completely different. But uh, yeah, it's uh, you kind of feel in a sense that you have your roots in some place as well, even I though you love, I love being where I am. It's always good to go back to your roots. Exactly. Yeah, it's kind of see your culture again and <laughs> oh, enjoy so it. So, <laughs> so you are also a teacher now. Yes, um, and what do you teach? I teach AP seminar, ACE Global Perspectives, and ACE General Paper, which if you put them all together, um, they're research and writing courses. They teach students how to present. Uh, they present their papers, their research papers. So it teaches them a lot of valuable life skills, not just for the job, but just how to stand in front of a room and explain your research, which mm -hmm. is so important. And then the ACE General Paper course is more about learning about the world, current events. What are things happening in the world that they need to understand from different perspectives and lenses. So once they know about different things, I kind of teach them different things in the school year, like read this, analyze the news, that sort of thing. Um, because once they take, for example, one part of the exam, they need to pick one prompt and write an essay about okay. it without sources. So they need to remember um, wow. they've learned. Um, I love it because as a writer, like it's so fun to teach them, you know, that type of thing. And then next some next school year um my principal asked me to take over the school news magazine so yeah so you're going back to a magazine <laughs> yeah uh, with with a bunch of, of kiddos I'm so excited I cannot wait I feel That's... like 
it's coming full circle. So I'll still teach my class, but I'll have one period a day where I have journalism kids. So that I'm is so really excited. cool. I'm so excited. Because the only reason why you decided to become a teacher was because of job stability, right? Definitely. That's number one. And number two, um, I felt I really fell in love with teaching when I started, when I got kind of mid laid off at the Miami Herald back in 08, during that recession, when they started cutting hours in 2008, 2009. Um, and my husband actually encouraged me to teach. He was right. He like saw it in me, you know, and <laughs> I started teaching university first, university first, all these adults. Wow. <laughs> I was freaking out because I was like 26 and here I am teaching a, a university class. Yeah. Um, I was nervous that first day. Oh my God. But I did it. I loved it. I started doing it part-time throughout my career as a writer. Um, so I started teaching for FIU, Miami-Dade College, um, different institutions in South Florida. And then one day when I was working for J14 Magazine in 2015, I just, I was working from home. I was a little depressed. I was like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Like it's, it was fun, but coming from covering like meaty features to covering clickbait, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like write the story, write that story, write 20 stories a day. I felt like a machine. I didn't feel like a writer anymore. That's when I made the decision. I, I started getting certified in the state of Florida. Um, I got my first teaching job as a high school educator in 2015, 16, and I landed at Boca High. And I've been there since. And I love it. I love the kids. I love the environment. I realized that, yeah, working from home is cool and stuff. But I'm the type of person that needs engagement, if that makes yeah. sense. Like, I yeah. love hanging out with the kids. I love seeing the reactions. Um, and I feel like now I can pursue two passions, not only one. Um, and it makes me very happy. And do you find it easy to conciliate the writing and the teaching? I love it. The cool thing is um, I can bring those pieces of like say I write a book riot story or I write a review for book list and I, I'm an English teacher so I have books in my classroom um, the kids love reading some of my stories and you know I feel like being a journalist on the side I can bring those experiences into the classroom because it keeps me up to date with what's going on and I also bring the new skills you know how the new yeah. way journalism is evolving I can bring that to the kids so they get that experience Talk me. I want. I want to talk to you about the your fiction writing because yes. that I don't know about, of course, because I read uh, your articles on Book so, Riot. Um, talk I to was, me about it. I'm so excited. Um, I wrote the first four or five chapters of a book. Um, it's gonna. It's Latin E. You know, it's like Puerto Rican all the way. Um, with a Puerto Rican character, and it's gonna be YA because I love YA. And I actually sent those few chapters to a competition called Las Musas. Mm -hmm. um, and I got selected by the author Diana Rodriguez Wallace, and she's going to help me for the next six months, just like once a month or every couple of weeks. She's going to give me tips, ideas. She's going to help me kind of keep going with, with the manuscript, which is really exciting. And did, um, did you have this idea already for a while? Or I've how always did it... had it. I've always had it. I just feel like I had that split in the brain, like journalism writing. So getting into fiction writing is such a different world. Yeah. So I had to like allow myself that freedom to write just for that fiction writing, like write what you want to write. Yeah. Um, and just like Diana told me, she was like, just, just 
keep writing. Like the first draft is not going to be perfect, but that's where editing comes in. And I feel like that was the thing that scared scared me about fiction writing, just like letting go of all those rules. You know what I'm yeah, talking for about? Yeah, for sure. Pyramid. Oh, God, no, just do you. So yeah. now I'm trying to get. I try to like split my brain and just get myself in the zone to to do fiction. And I hope it goes well. But you know what? I got to give it a shot. No, for sure. And I mean, if you have fun while doing it, do you do you tend to um, plan a lot of your stories, or do you kind of like just go with it for like my book ride and stuff? No, I mean for fiction. Oh, for fiction. Yeah. So that's the thing. When I started writing these chapters, I just kind of went with the flow um of what I wanted to to write but I do want to somehow like now that I have those first few chapters I do want to somehow plan a little more um because like Diana told me she's like it's good to have some ideas as to where your characters are going yeah it doesn't have to be a perfect planning situation um but that's something that I want to learn definitely and do you know more or less a story or can you reveal like anything yeah, so, of it um I'm sure you remember Hurricane Maria in 2017 which was a hurricane. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh my God, it was destroyed. It destroyed the island um, in 2017. It was crazy. So um, I've had the experience of seeing how many Puerto Ricans have left the island even more than ever after Maria. But my story does not necessarily circle around Maria, but it, it kind of focuses on that feeling as a Puerto Rican where yes, you are part of the United States, but you're a completely different culture. Mm-hmm. And so many people see the American dream as the end all be all while there's other people in the island that kind of look down on the people that want to leave because they feel that the people should stay and just bring their talents to Puerto Rico but at the same time the pay is low there's government corruption there's so many things that drive young people especially to pursue careers and uh, university experiences outside of the island Mm -hmm. um my character is going to be torn between that. Like, should I stay or should I go? Um, she And then she has a, a friend, also love interest, that might be looking down at the fact that she wants to leave. So that right there is like those two perspectives of that passion, of like having that passion of your culture, but also wanting to seek greener pastures. And is that greener pasture, you know, is that really... Greener. <laughs> is it greener? Is it the dream that you should pursue? So that's what I'm trying to work on right now. That is very interesting. I I, I think a lot of people will see themselves in that. Because I, I like do think, late. yeah, then when you leave a place, like I said, that you do always have that duality or where do I belong and was this the right choice, etc. Yes. Should I have done that? That sort of thing. Definitely. So we're, yeah, we're waiting for it. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> In 2015, if uh-huh. I'm correct, you covered the Jurassic World press junket in Hawaii. Oh my God, best time ever. How was that? Best time ever. <laughs> I was working um, for J14 uh, magazine and my editor knew that I had like the feature reporting background and not to mention like I loved covering that type of stuff. So she was awesome. Like that's one good thing about J14 magazine. Um, she literally sent me the email and was like, you should go. Like, I want you to go. So they, Universal pretty much sent me to Hawaii, which was my first time there. And one of the coolest things was getting to interview Bryce Dallas Howard, who is queen, not to mention she's created some of the best Star Wars, like Mandalorian episodes ever. Um, But she was so great. 
I got to see the island. I got to meet some amazing people that I still talk to today. Um, and it was just wonderful to be there talking to all these people. Um, there's actually some videos on my website um, that I still have from that time. And I feel like that was a once in a lifetime experience. I loved it. Who, who else did you interview? I interviewed you remember? The, two, the two younger kiddos. Um, one of them was the is now, like he became the actor of the film Love, Simon. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So I interviewed him. He's fantastic. Ooh. Um, because he his career really blew up. After yeah, for sure. And he was extremely sweet. I loved interviewing him. Um, so I interviewed them, and that was a lot of fun. I have to send you the videos. They're fun. They're fun. Yeah, like the whole experience sounds super cool. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Uh, you're also a cosplayer. Um, would you like to share that with us? What do you cosplay? How did you start cosplaying? I just really love comic books and books, and I'm a total nerd by pride and love. <laughs> so. Um, I feel like in part, when I was in my 20s, I was very jaded. And I was like, eh, why should I really be myself? Does that make sense? Yeah, no. Like, I was kinda, <laughs> especially being a journalist, I had to follow certain like, like, I don't know, like crowds. And I was more insecure in my 20s. I was still learning. You know, I was still growing to learn who I am. But I always had this deeply embedded love of everything nerdy. So I started really getting into movies and books and you know everything that relates to different characters um what I love is the fact that I would dress up and I dressed up like as Harley Quinn Wonder Woman like all those characters that I love and one thing that I love is just going to cons like New York Comic Con Florida Super Con in Florida and I feel like cosplaying is a way of freedom because you can be who you are and as my parents said when I took them to Puerto Rico Comic Con two weeks ago <laughs> I went there, I took them. Um, they were like, wow, there's like no judgment here. Like you can just yeah. be yourself. And I'm like, yes, that's what I love about cosplaying. You can be yourself. You can have fun. There's creativity behind it. And then you meet other people that love the characters you love. And it's just wonderful. I love that scene. Yeah, it's a very, I think you make a very good connection with fandom. Like when yes. you find that in common, like the love you have for those characters, what they represent to you. Mm-hmm. 100%. So, so true. So, do you so do you have like a favorite cosplay from all the cosplays? Uh, I would say one of my favorite ones that I did years ago um, was definitely Wonder Woman. My friend took pictures of me as Wonder Woman. And then I did the Harley Quinn Birds of Prey, like the overalls. Mm-hmm. Oh, and my husband just gave these to me. So see, my Legos cosplay. So that's oh, me. Oh, yeah. I'm also, I'm also a Lego. <laughs> so that's me. I mean, if you guys can see it, I'm wearing like a little suit. Um, like a little cute suit. That's my journalism one. And this is and this is Miss D. I'm a teacher. Cute. So that's really cool. So basically, my my husband remembers we couldn't really cosplay that much in New York Comic Con due to the fact that it had just come back because of the pandemic. Yeah. Which is a little more difficult. Um, but we still had like nerdy stuff on. But our Legos cosplayed, and we took pictures that I will send you, I will show you. Of our Legos cosplaying, so see, we've we've even go we went there, like our so Legos. It's, yeah, it's it's kind of like an extra step. Not only do like you have the Lego, when it's not just like oh, it's a Wonder Woman Lego. No, it's you. It's me as the <laughs> yes. Lego. There as Lego. <laughs> exactly. So cute. So I have my my boyfriend is also a, a Lego nerd. So uh. oh, my husband, <laughs> you see, he has some amazing sides like Daily Bugle, like all this great stuff. That's really cool. Um, now I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about 
something that is uh, more serious because um, yeah. you have bipolar disorder and you wrote the story for Worthy magazine about it. Yes, I wrote um, one for Worthy and I've also written some for Book Riot, which is so amazing. And you um, won a, a prize for the one at Worthy magazine. Yeah, I won right? an award for the one that I wrote. I won a South Florida um, SPJ award for that one. Um, yeah, you know, I feel like anxiety and everything I go through is like something to embrace. Honestly, I feel like I don't want to hide it. It's who I am. And I people will know if I have a bad or good day. Um, I have friends that are very understanding and we have like a little text chat. And if I'm feeling like low, they know. I feel like that's important to have those connections, especially when you have anxiety or bipolar disorder because your mood will swing. Your mood yeah. will literally be like happy, sad. Like that's the thing. Um, my doctor has been seeing me since 2008. He was the one that diagnosed me. Um, I feel like one of the struggles with being a person that deals with mental health issues is finding the right balance and the right medication. Mm -hmm. um, that's been a challenge. I kind of spiraled a little bit in October of 2021 because I got off a certain medication that was not working for me. It happens. Um, and I then it began, you know, like trying to find the right medicine. So I started getting really, really manic, really depressed. Um, there were days I called off work. I just did not have the energy. Um, and then my doctor realized that was going on and he started me on a new medication. And so far, so good. I, I've been feeling more like myself since January, which is good. But that's the daily struggle. Like yeah. you don't know. It's it's. But I'm happy to talk about it and write stories about it because I want people to know they can live normal lives and they can have goals and they can have careers. Yes, it might be considered a disability, but I don't see it that way. I see it like something that makes me stronger. And if you have the right care and if you have the right people that know that you yeah. have, don't hide it. People need to know. That's my perspective. I know there's a stigma with mental health, but the more open you are about it, I'm not saying telling people everything, but yeah. the more open you are about your challenges, the more people can notice if you've been triggered. See yeah. what I mean? Yeah, no, for sure. Yes, because that's a safety. That right there is safety. If you feel like you've been triggered, a close friend, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a husband will know. Um, and that's why I like to tell my story and students relate to it too, because a lot of them go through anxiety and issues like yeah. that. But it's but also, yeah. I'm supposing it's also easier to deal with things that's going on if people around you know about it. Because yeah, then yeah, well, they can understand, right? Because if not, they don't get it. So it's kind of like, Because when I didn't know, I didn't know. Then when yeah. I knew, I felt like I could understand more what was going on with anxiety and everything else. And do you yeah. feel, don't you feel like extra vulnerable when you talk about it, when you oh write my God, about for it? Sure, for <laughs> sure. But one thing that is wonderful is the fact that I've had people send me a note or send me an email or send me a text like, thanks for talking about that. Like, I need people to talk about that because it makes me relate. So yeah. many people are struggling with these things and they just are afraid to say it. So when they see somebody else talk about it, they they feel connections. And I also feel like, I don't know, I think sometimes we are a bit of in a bubble and you are in a bubble with people who talk openly about mental illness. But I do think that there is, as you said, a lot of stigma around it. And there are a yeah. lot of people yeah. dealing with mental Especially illness. Especially in the Hispanic community. I'm not going to even yeah. lie. It's very much like they don't understand that it's something that could be very, very serious. They're more like, oh, you'll get over it. Or yeah, yeah you don't, you're fine. It's just, just need to be optimistic. 
ah, oh, just, just, I'm like, okay, those are good tricks. Fine. You, you have to try to be optimistic every day, but when it becomes an issue that it interferes with your daily life, you have to take care of it. Of course. And I get a bit, because I, I have a feeling also that Portugal is a bit like that. Like um, people don't really talk much. I think now they do, they talk m more about burnout and stuff, but Born people out. do, especially older people, they tend to dismiss it as in like, oh, in my time that didn't exist because you didn't have time to think about it. Like, yes. yep, it did exist. It's just like with everything else that people said didn't exist as much. It was just kind of yeah. shut down and ignored and, and had, of course, terrible consequences for people. But even nowadays, like, um, I know people who, even the family, is a bit embarrassed even of the situation it's like why do you have to be open about it you can have like your disability or you can have your mental illness whatever and however you, you want to label it but don't talk about be, it yeah and right is, like you can be honest about it you have no idea how many people have come to me and opened up because they see yeah. me as something that they can talk to because they know i'm not embarrassed i don't care this is who i am like i've reached this point in my life where it's like this is who i am take it or leave it. I will be there for you. And if you need to talk, I'm here, yeah. but I'm not going to hide who I am. It's like, it's so powerful when you reach that point. Yeah, right? like, for sure. <laughs> and and that's why it's, I find so important that you talk about it because like I said, for you and maybe for me, it might be very, a very simple, obvious thing. Oh, yes. Right. Oh, it's like, Oh, this, but I'm in your sense is like, why? Yeah, I should talk about it. But for a lot of people, they still think that they shouldn't talk about it. And then when people in their families and stuff who need that, that support, they don't have it because they don't think it should be talked about. Yes. And it creates like a cycle, you yeah, know, a cycle it's, it's, of people. That's the hardest part. I feel like people really struggle with fear and fear can be really tough to overcome. For I know sure. for I have moments that I'm scared of stuff, but I feel like as I've gotten older, I realized why not now? Like, why not talk about it now? I even recorded a video at my school. They have something called Motivational Mondays. Um, and it was a whole video about me as a teacher struggling with bipolar disorder, yeah. how I got over it. Um, and they played this like, you know, on the school news that they do once a week. And I had so many students come to me like, thanks for saying that because I struggle with A, B or C. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. Yes, it's vulnerable. It's hard to talk about for sure. But once you accept it and you realize this is who I am and I'm trying to get better, um, for me, my goal is to help others. I feel like that's something that as a teacher, as a person, just as who I am, I want to help others understand it's not the end of the world. You're going to be okay. <laughs> Definitely. And, and do you have any advice for people who are now struggling with the whole thing, like from, you yeah. know, finding help to, to come. My advice, my, my biggest advice for them, because I was very lucky that my then fiance, now husband was always supportive. And he noticed that there was some ups and downs for me, which went, which happened throughout like my whole life. I just had no idea what it was, yeah. you know? Um, my advice is try to find at least one person you confide in. Um, It doesn't have to be necessarily a family member. It could be a friend. It could be anybody that you feel close to. And if you're scared to open up about the situation, find someone that you can kind of bounce that thought process with. Um, I feel like that's something that helped me just talking to someone about how I felt um, and admitting that I needed to get help and being afraid of getting that help is always normal. Um, but once you bounce up, you know, once you kind of talk all those ideas through, um, I feel like once you find that confident, you're going to feel so much better. Now, I would like to talk about books. 
Of course. Yes. When did books come into the picture? Like, did you read as a child? Oh, yes. Yes, definitely. <laughs> um, I was that nerd with books, like on my, you know, like the emotional support book in my bag. On the <laughs> um, my aunt's always a big reader. She's the one that gave me the first like Sweet Valley Twins book. My mom would always read to me like all the cute little Disney stories when I was a kid. Um, I just kept, I didn't stop reading. I just read forever. I feel like in my 20s, I went to a through like a little slump because I was so busy with my journalism career. But then um, one of my friends gave me Twilight. Yeah, Twilight is not the best piece of literature, but it, hey, it's fun. And it got, me reading, it got me reading again. So I just kept going. And I used to be more of a contemporary reader. And then when I started reading that, um, I kind of did a both fantasy and contemporary. Okay. which is so I've always been a reader it's it's just the way I, I am shaped for sure and what do you enjoy reading the most what kind of I uh, love, genre I authors? love I love YA I feel like YA has gotten so much better than like oh, R.L. Yeah. Stang back in the day um I love diverse books I love seeing the fact that there's, there's more LGBTQ there's books about everything now oh my god please keep them coming <laughs> give me characters that we can relate to as people that my teens can relate to at school um, so I love reading uh, pretty much everything YA in the sense that I'm a teacher, 10th grade, and I like to bring those stories to my students like, oh, my God, I read this awesome book. So I become their book talk. Seriously, yeah. they say that. <laughs> I'm like their live book talk. I'm like, hey, read this, read that. Um, also, I love adult fantasy. I feel like they're so lush and the world building is fantastic. Um, and I also love reading books that I like finding a good standalone. Does that make <laughs> sense? Like you find oh, a good yeah, standalone? for sure. Because I'm, I'm a standalone person. I, I don't have a lot of patience for series. So yes. <laughs> yeah. And right now, um, there's this author I love, Tiffany D. Jackson. She yes. goes alone. Oh my God. She's amazing. And she writes the best standalones. And there's, I love those thrillers, kind of dark Did books. you? I've read, I, the only I've read from her was White Smoke wonderful did yes. you read their upcoming already i am reading it now the one that is it okay is it good listen it's like it's okay. so good she spawned carrie by stephen king like it's oh, literally wow. it's got those carrie vibes and i love the fact that she has this element of suspense she's great at suspense yeah. writing so she also like her books um besides of course reading like horror by arl stein and mysteries when i was younger um, I love those thriller books too. Like I love that type of story that's a little out there. And she's great. I love the way she writes her stories. Yeah, because I really liked White Smoke, but then I was thinking, should I request the next one on Edelweiss? Because it was Do it. fun. I, so I, I kind of wanted to to know what people uh, were saying about I it. I urge you to. I literally <laughs> have it in my bag as my emotional support book right now. Okay, because really. I got to check. Because I'm very picky with horror. Like me I too. only, yeah, oh like one God, type of too. horror, you know. <laughs> me too. Like some of it is fantastic. Some of it I'm like, not so. Yeah, like, exactly. Fantastic. I highly recommend you picking it up. Okay, great. Gonna, as soon as we're done, I'm going to Edelweiss running. Uh, <laughs> Do it. And now, um, what is your opinion on the impact of books in youth? Huge. There's nothing else to say but huge. And I'm going to elaborate. I am seeing more reading now in my classroom than I saw years ago, like maybe a couple of years ago. Because students, like, I wrote a story for Book Riot about this because I interviewed some of my 10th grade students. Students want, they don't want to be talked down to, no, especially sure. with their teens. They don't want to be told what to read and what they cannot read. They, they literally love picking up books from all genres, from everything. 
But you know what makes me happy? They read. They're reading. Like they'll literally yeah, no, sure. they're getting inspired. They're opening their eyes. I have a student that told me she thought she wasn't smart enough to read back wow. in the day. And then she picked up a book and she kept reading and she's like, "Wow, I can do this. This is wonderful." They probably just made her pick up a book that was too literary and complicated yeah. and not not and like interesting listen, at all. I am all about I'm all about okay, you got to teach some classics. But what about new classics? Yeah. Come on, there's so many books coming out right now that have so many important lessons for this generation that I feel should be integrated into curriculums. And I, for example, um, had my students read uh, Furia, um, which is- Oh a, yeah, yeah. So I, I wanted to give them something a little more diverse. And during the pandemic, the author came to our little Google Hangout and spoke to them, which That's was really cool. cool. What? <laughs> and they were like, wow. And they loved that book because it was very fun and diverse and interesting. Um, books impact kids more than you know. I see it every day. Not only that, they trade books with each other, they get excited, and that makes my heart happy. Don't tell a kid what they can and cannot read. Just let them read. That's my thought on it. Which goes into the, what about the book bans that are oh now God. happening? Hi, I live in Florida, so you can imagine. Oh, yeah. South Florida. It's been very stressful. Um, I don't agree with book bans. I'm not going to even, I just don't agree with it. Just... I think it's unfair that they're trying to ban books based on certain content, based on certain characters. Like we're not cookie cutter in this world at all. We all have different perspectives, issues, backgrounds. And that goes back to me teaching a class about global perspectives. Yeah. Like we're in a world where not everybody's the same as the person next to you. We need to embrace that. We need to grow. And we need to realize that kids need to learn about what's going on in the world. Because if we, If we sh shut that door and not let them pick up a book that they might relate to, what are we going to do, right? Like what lesson are we going to teach these children if we are telling them, don't read these books? I mean, I'm good friends with Romina Garber. She lives here in South Florida. She wrote Lovisona. Mm -hmm. And hers was one of the books that was on a little cart to be banned at a library. And she's like, I don't get it it's a fantasy book about an Argentine immigrant. Like I'm trying to tell a story that so many people can relate to yeah. and there's fantasy in it. Um, then there's Kaylin Barron who Cinderella is dead. Um, yep. Also has been challenged. Aiden Thomas, Cemetery Boys challenged. You know what I did? I brought those three into my classroom through Zoom and I made them talk to my kids about how they can read whatever they want. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. yeah. I just don't agree. I, I feel like a lot of us that are literary and understand the power of books, we don't agree with not letting kids read what they want to read. And that's how I feel. No, for sure. I mean, even with books that may be problematic, I think it's important to explain to them why they are problematic. But yes. to actively tell them, okay, don't read this. We're going to ban that from your hands. And sometimes, because that's the thing, like, as I grew up, the only way I could get books was pretty much through the library. Me too, because the I, library and the trading school library, even yeah, at first, because like my parents didn't really have money to buy me books, except like, for like special occasions. Yeah, now, imagine like, like the holidays and stuff. Yeah, uh, birthdays. Now imagine that you want to access a book and it's not available through your school library or through your library and you also can't get it any other way. And that's, the, that's what scares yeah. me. Because you're like limiting, you're closing doors on these kids that, let's begin, they can't afford books on the daily. Yeah, 
and then you're shutting shutting the door on them and pretty much telling them we're we're not going to have them available for you and that's really sad and also always targeting communities that are already being marginalized and which representativity there isn't as much on schools that stresses me out so much because it's awful and I really hope we can find a way to 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 really beat this time that we're living in because it's going backwards we're not yeah, going no, for forward. sure and we need to go forward and we need to realize we're in a different world right now 100 for sure it just makes me really sad like that they're just really just targeting us as happens with many platforms actually because if you think about for example tiktok as soon as someone tags a video queer a lot of the times it's going to be like shadow banned because it's queer yes. and immediately people associate so queer with like your eroticism or pornographic things or whatever and it's just so it's just so sad to see that and also to see this in the books and to not allow kids to see themselves in books as well it's it's very sad so yeah and that's why i'm trying to write a book where people can see themselves like teens can see themselves yeah. i feel like it's so important to expand ourselves and our writing um to make sure kids have the ability to see themselves and learn lessons from books that they can relate to 100 and i hope that with you know uh, (laughs) in the next years that maybe more understanding people will start taking certain positions that allow them to stop with the banning and stop with this 100 it makes no sense i agree with you um aurora where can people find you online Oh, sure. So I am on Twitter at Aurora Miami. Um, I am on Instagram as Aurora Lydia. Those are the two, and it's Lydia with a Y. Um, Those are the two that I am most active on. So come follow me. I will follow you back. Yes, I will leave the link in the description of the episode. And now this is the last question of the podcast, the most difficult question. Let's go. (laughs) An all-time favorite book and a book you would recommend right now. Oh my God. So recommend right now, definitely the Tiffany D. Jackson book because I've been speeding through it. Um, So let me give you the title because I don't have it in front of me right now, but I want people to know to get it because it's amazing. (laughs) Um, She's just a great author. It's called The Weight of Blood. Do you know when it Uh, comes out? It comes out September, in September. So guys, set aside space in the bookshelf for that one. And it's hard to pick a favorite, favorite book, of course, but a book that really captured me when I was young that I still consider a favorite book and I still own it is Wait Till Helen Comes by Mary Downing Han. Um, It was my favorite ghost story as a kid. Um, Very subtle, very beautiful. And it still is my favorite ghost story today. Very well. Well, uh, again, I will leave this on the episode's notes. Arara, thank you so much for coming to the thank podcast. Thank you so much. It was so wonderful to do this this morning. Yes, thank you. You can access today's show's notes via my pod page, which you can find along with all of my social media links at linktree slash Karina Pereira. If you have enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting A Story of Sorts on Patreon. Patreon is a platform which allows you to contribute monthly to the podcast in exchange for extra content such as early access to episodes, a shout out at the end of an episode and on Instagram, and choosing a theme for me to talk about on the podcast. You can become a patron at patreon.com slash a story of sorts. Leaving a review would also be highly appreciated. Don't forget to subscribe to get a notification when the next episode hits. I'll talk to you then, and thank you for listening.